born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But anyway, we're in the book of what? The book of Acts. See, there you remember that much. I'm glad because I didn't remember that. But in the book of Acts, I want you to turn there. Book of Acts. Acts in chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. I want to put a couple of things together here for you because the Apostle Paul, man, he went everywhere, causing a revival or a revolt. Some call him a troublemaker. And others said, he's turning the world upside down. No, he's straightening it up. It was already upside down. He's just straightening it up. Getting people to trust Christ as their Savior. And then he talks about challenging and motivating those who believe on the Lord and strengthening the brethren and uh, encouraging, exhorting. In other words, don't be a person who's always down and disappointed, discouraged, and so forth. Have a positive attitude. Because, you know, our Lord that we serve, he's still on the throne. He ain't sick. He ain't dead. He's not even feeling bad at all. I talked to him this morning. He feels fine. And so as long as he's in charge, what's the problem? There's no problem you're going to have. He'll walk you through it. I don't care what it is. He'll walk you through it. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. And he says he wants us to walk with him. It's more important for us to walk with him than him walk with us. If I walk with him, I don't have to worry about anything. But now notice, Paul was walking with the Lord. And he had been a missionary. He had been a little bit of everywhere. But he said, I want to go back to Jerusalem. I want to be there for the Passover. And so he says here in verse 19 of chapter 20, everybody needs 20-20 vision. That's why if you underline verse 20, that's Acts chapter 20, verse 20, that gives you your 20-20 vision. But he says in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the line and weight of the Jews. In other words, not everybody was for what Paul was doing. There were some people who wanted to kill Paul. So did he quit? Oh, he ran and he hid because he was scared. (laughs) He says, my life is not dear unto myself. And therefore he was able to finish his course with joy. But notice what he says in verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. Anything that would help you, I wanted to give you. And he says, I taught you publicly, house to house, everywhere Paul went. And that's why it was so important. For them to know how he thinks. So he calls for all the elders of the church there in Ephesus. And if you ever read the book of Ephesians, that's the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote. And when he says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's 
the town in which he was calling for the elders. The elders were the overseers, the leaders in the church. So he asked them to come and see him because he did not want to take the time to go there. And it was about a 36-mile walk, and he had already been doing a lot of walking. And he figured, okay, you, y'all do the walking this time. And so they met him there in verse 17. But now, in verse 21, he tells them this. When he talks about giving the gospel and house to house and publicly, well, what, what did he teach? In verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance comes from the Greek word metaneo, metanoia is repentance, and it means to change your mind. The Bible tells us that God repented, but doesn't mean that God <laughs> turned from his sins. Does God turn from his sin? God, it's about time you turn from your sins. Well, God didn't sin, but he did repent. In other words, he was going to do this because they were doing this. But when they changed their mind, God changed his mind about bringing this. So he didn't punish them because they corrected the problem. So God can repent. And although it can mean grieve. And so he says, repentance toward God. Change your mind about how you get to God. And that you cannot save yourself. You change your mind about earning your salvation because you can't earn it, not by works. So every man needs to repent. God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. Repent, change your mind. You cannot save yourself and put your faith in the Lord. So this was the message that he had. This was the message that he preached. And this was the one that got him into a lot of trouble. See, if you was to teach salvation by works, uh, well, everybody does that. The gospel, the truth of the gospel, offends people because it goes against the grain. They want to do something. Well, when you're saved by grace, it means you did nothing. It means God gets all the credit and all the honor and all the glory. But people can't stand that. Well, you got to do something. No, you don't have to do anything. You trust him, he saves you. He gets the credit. Now look in verse 22. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. You don't always know what's going to happen down the road. Paul says, I don't know what's going to happen to me down the road. But I do know this. I have been warned by the Holy Spirit and through others uh, that they're not going to treat me very nicely. That I'm going to be put in bonds. And that I'm going to wind up going to Rome. And in Rome is where he lost his head. But he says, I'm willing to go, and I want to go. So he says in verse 23, Say that the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. In other words, this is what's waiting on you if you do this, if you go through with this, if you go to Jerusalem. So they're all trying to plead with Paul, don't go, don't go, don't go. Did Paul go? Yep, Paul went anyway. But he did it because he says in the next verse, look at verse 24. This is a very important verse. Why did he do it? Even though he knew that everything is, you know, stacked against him. But none of these things moved me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Get this, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see, the gospel is the gospel of grace. It means that you're saved by grace. 
You see, the only way you can change grace is by adding works to it. The gospel of grace is that um, it must be free and it must last forever. So salvation, if you're saved by grace, it has to be free or it's not grace. It has to last forever or it's not grace. And it's the gospel of grace that says it's free means nobody can earn it. You can't work for it. You can't buy it. Does a person have to go to church to go to heaven? Does he have to give money? Well, if he does, he has to do it here, right? No. Uh, do you have to turn from your sins to go to heaven? No. See, grace means you don't have to do none of those things. But you'd be surprised how many churches are telling people you've got to change your life. And that you've got to turn from your sin and make Christ the Lord and the master of your life. See, if you have to turn from sin, that means you're telling a lost man you've got to stop being bad. And when you tell him he's got to commit his life to Christ, well, then now you're telling him he's got to start being good. Well, now, if you want to get saved, you've got to stop being bad and start being good. Well, if I could do that, I wouldn't need a Savior. But you can't do that. Why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible for a person to turn from sin. Why? Because sin's on the inside of you. You see, you can't turn from sin because it takes the power of God, and you don't have the power until after you're saved. So you see, you've got to have power steering. <laughs> Get it? There, you've got to have power steering, and, and nobody has that power. So they may have the desire. You can just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live perfect from here on out. Well, God bless you. Really? How you doing? You can't do it. I don't care how you try. What about the sins of the mind that nobody sees? But you know. God knows. And God says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so this is why after a man is saved, after he's saved, yes, God says, depart from iniquity. But I don't do that to be saved. I'm doing it because I already am saved. And God wants me to commit my life to Christ. Well, not to be saved, but because I already am saved. You see, I can't commit my life to Christ until after I'm saved. If you had to do it before you get saved in order to be saved, then your salvation depends upon you performing. And that means it's not by grace. So Paul preached the gospel of grace. He says here in verse 25, And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching, and the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Now see that little phrase, kingdom of God? Hold your place right here and look in John chapter 3. Hold your place there, but look in John chapter 3. You've heard of John chapter 3 before. John chapter 3. And you'll notice when he talks about in John chapter 3, look what he says in verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We believe the kingdom of God is the spiritual realm, those who have trusted Christ as Savior. Now, for example, we're all in this same room. Uh, this could be like, uh, you know, the kingdom of God. And the, this, you can be up here on the stage. So far, everybody is in the same room, but not everybody is on the stage. There's only one on the stage. But I am in the room, but you're in the room too, but you're not on the stage. There's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven is within the kingdom of God. And you can be in the kingdom of God and not be in the kingdom of heaven. And you can be in the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom upon the earth, the thousand-year reign. But anyway, 
Look back here at verse 5. Jesus answered, saying unto him, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he said, that which is born of the flesh, flesh, that which is born of the Spirit, the Spirit. So he's talking about a spiritual birth. There's a flesh birth when you were born into the world. Then there's a spiritual birth when you're born into God's family. So we talk about entering and seeing the kingdom of God. He must be talking about the new birth, the spiritual birth. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were born into God's family. Now go back to the book of Acts. This is what Paul was preaching. How to get into the kingdom of God. So you get into the kingdom of God by believing the gospel of grace. He preached the grace of God so that a person could believe it and be born into God's family. So that's why we teach salvation is by grace and grace alone. Now notice something else. He says down here in verse 26, because there is this responsibility that we have. In verse 26, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. That means that everywhere Paul went, Paul preached the gospel. He sought to reach everybody. He went to all these cities and towns and villages and up and down the highways and streets and everywhere. That's what Paul did for the rest of his life. Now you think, but boy, he really wasted his life. He wasted his life. Now, do you think Paul really wasted his life by serving God? I mean, look, he could have been a banker. He, he could have been a lawyer. I mean, he could have made millions of dollars. Look who he could have been and what he could have had. But Paul says, I count all that but loss that I may win Christ. Now, who do you think is the fool? The person could have had all those things in this world, but you, you lost out on all the treasures that God has for you. See, a hundred years from now, when you stand before the Lord, do you think it's going to be the Lord looks at you and says, well, I see you had a lot of money down there. That counts for two points. And you had a car. And it wasn't just a car. I mean, oh, wow, you did pretty good. You get a negative point for that. And just goes through and, you know, oh, that house you lived in, boy, that was a mansion right, right on the beach, too. Woo. You think God's impressed? Or he looks at Paul and says, Paul, I, I want to look, look at all these people that are up here because of you. You were battered and worn and beaten down, and they even chopped off your head. But you preached the word, and I got all these treasures up here for you. Now, he was a fool for Christ's sake. But do you think he uh, wasted his life? I had people tell me when I decided to go to Bible college, you're wasting your life. Well, they just don't know. I wasn't worth much before. So what am I wasting? If I don't know the will of God and I live for the world, the only thing I got to give up is the world. And I'll take whatever God has for me. As I look back over the years, I don't think I've lost anything. Remember, there's a verse he says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. And he says, Trust in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah's everlasting strength. And then in Psalms 37, when it says, Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the, what? The desires of thine heart. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So if I delight in the Lord, and I did that 55 years ago after I trusted the Lord, I should be able to look back upon my life and say, now, did, did he keep his word? I can stand here and say, yes, God has kept his word. I delighted to do whatever God wanted me to do, and I won. 
because of the peace, the love, the joy, the happiness, the purpose in life that I've had and enjoyed. There's nothing that can compare to it. And so when I get to heaven, if God doesn't give me one thing, it's been a, a blast. But on top of that, he said he's going to reward me for what I did. Going to heaven, that's by the grace of God. Rewards depend upon what I do for him. Rewards you have to earn. So by your faithful obedience to the Lord, God will honor you and bless you. And when you get to heaven, you'd be surprised what all God's got for you. So now look what he says here in verse 27. Because he says, I held back nothing that was profitable unto you. You see, if you really want to serve the Lord, you want every person you can, that you can influence, you want them to win their race. You want them to finish their course. I want every person, every teenager, every college kid, every adult, I want you to finish the course God has for you. I want you to win through all the trials and temptations that you may have. I want you to be victorious. I want the best for you. Therefore, I don't want to hold back anything that would help you to be profitable in your life. But I wish people would come to everything that I said. If I teach on Sunday mornings, do you think I want people to come and hear me speak? And if I speak on Sunday night, do you think I want people to come and hear me speak? What about Wednesday night? Why? Because every time I teach, I'm trying to teach what the Word of God says that can help people to be stronger in their Christian life. You want them to succeed. Look what he says there in verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now, why did he say that? Well, because what he says there in, um, oh, let me see. I'm right there at it. Verse 28. Next verse. Take heed, therefore. In other words, because you want every person to be profitable. You want them to succeed. You want them to finish a course. So what does Paul have to do? Paul has to be the testimony of what they need. So that's why he says, None of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry that I have received to testify of the grace of God. Verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. Now he's talking to the elders at the church at Ephesus. He's telling them, I'm going to be leaving here and you're not going to see my face anymore. See, that's in the last part of verse 25. See, in verse 25, the last part of verse 25. Shall see my face no more. And because of that, he was going to be leaving. And they'd never see him again on this side of eternity. So when you look up there in uh, verse 20, uh, 36, when he's getting ready to leave the group, he says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck, kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. So he wanted to come. He wanted to see them. And uh, now he's getting on. Sail away. Remember that song that we sung earlier? Sail away. We're going to sail away. One of these days we're going to sail away. I preached a sermon not long ago on um, learning how to sail. So that you don't have shipwreck in your Christian life. But now notice what he says here in verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and do all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. He calls the people in the church a flock. And those that were over the flock, overseers. To oversee 
That means that you have a responsibility trying to protect the flock. Two main things you need to do for the flock. One is you got to feed the flock. And two, you got to protect the flock. And so if you're going to feed the flock, that means you're going to have to feed them from the word of God. And if you're going to protect the flock, well, then you've got to give them something how to protect. How to spot a wolf. How to know the truth so that you can detect error. See, if you don't know the truth, you can't detect error. You don't know anything wrong with it. I've had people say, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. You just said the key words. Well, I don't see. They don't see. That's how they call it blind. So you need to see what he's saying. So he says, which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, get this, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. In other words, Christ died and paid for the sins of every one of those people. And they are now part of that flock. And you have a responsibility to that flock to watch over them, protect them, and to feed them. So you got to feed them what the Word of God says. Now, some of this here you'll find out Paul and uh, Peter didn't always see eye to eye if you read the book of Galatians. But after Paul kind of, you know, slapped Peter around a little bit, uh, he got straightened out. And he wasn't the first pope, by the way. He was in the air on some things. And then he writes some nice things about Paul. But he says some things that are similar to what Paul said. So hold your place right here and look in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter and chapter 5. And you'll notice he says some of the same things that Paul says here in Acts chapter 20. About the responsibilities of an elder. In verse 1 of chapter 5 he says, The elders... Which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. That means he is also an overseer to see what's going on, to watch and to protect. And then notice what he says Who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. In other words, he said, I was there, I was with Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw him when he was glorified. I saw it. And so he says in verse 2, fleece the flock of God. Is that what it says? And it says feed, feed the flock of God. Well, if you're going to feed the flock, what are you supposed to feed them with? Hay, wheat, barley, oats, corn. Well, look what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look in 1 Peter chapter 2. And you'll notice what he says here in verse 2. Look in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the what? Word. That you may what? Grow thereby. So you're to feed the people, the word, so that they can grow and become strong in their Christian life so that you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes along. You'll know what you believe. You'll know why you believe it. You'll be rock solid. And that is the will of God. And we'll continue there next week since people are coming in. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all of our sins. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. Now, for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us. God doesn't want us to go to hell. He wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. Nobody's perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's perfection. So because of sin, we, we can't get in.
So the Bible says we cannot save ourselves. So we can't do anything to get to heaven because we're already condemned, found guilty. We got a debt to pay. So we can't go to heaven. It's impossible. Nothing we do can get us to heaven because we have a debt to pay, and that's eternal separation from God. We're all in the same boat. So unless God does something, there's nothing we can do. So Jesus Christ, this hand representing Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world because He loves us. He displayed His love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you were a saint, He did while you were yet a sinner. So Christ who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He said that if you and I would believe that he did that for us, he would put that payment to your account, and we would go to heaven on what he did. Fifty-five years ago, I heard this message for the first time. I was 18 years old. So I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I heard that I could not save myself. I thought I was pretty good. And I had to repent, change my mind. I cannot save myself. So I had to change my mind and trust Christ as my Savior. I repented. You see, if you are an unbeliever and you believe, you had to change your mind. True? So I can lead a lot of people to the Lord without ever telling them to repent. But I can tell a person who's lost, you need to change your mind. You need to believe on Jesus Christ. You don't believe it now. Will you believe it? And when you believe that, He gives you as a free gift everlasting life. You go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So change your mind and believe it. That is what God wants you to do as a result of your changing your mind. So if you're here today and you think that your good life is going to get you to heaven, change your mind. If you think giving money, singing in the choir, being a deacon, an usher, whatever. I love my husband and my wife and kids. Well, that's wonderful, but that doesn't save you. You need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the only Savior there is. See, we can't save ourselves. Impossible. That's why you don't have to turn from your sin. He paid for it. What He wants you and I to do is believe He did it for us. That made sense to me. So I trusted Christ as my Savior years ago. And that's how I know that I'm going to heaven whenever I die. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you've never done so, today would be a perfect day. This would be a good moment for you to truly trust Jesus Christ and Him alone as your only hope of going to heaven. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, if what I said made sense to you, say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to be certain I'm going to heaven. And right now, I do change my mind. I'm going to trust Christ and Him alone as my only hope of going to heaven, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Friend, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward, but right where you are, did it make sense? Will you trust Christ as your Savior? Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, right there on the screen, you can click it on and let us know that someone trusted Christ as their Savior. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. 
for giving us a free gift of everlasting life. And Father, we also pray that each person here that knows you, Savior, would realize if there's things in their life that they're doing that's not right, that they would repent, change your mind, reconsider, and see that some things need to be corrected, that it could lead to a change of life because each one of us should live in such a way that shows how much we love you and what you've done for us. So bless each one. We ask you to bless our time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Telling someone how to go to heaven is the greatest thing we can do in this life. To prepare you, Pastor Yankee Arnold is offering you his book, Gospel Driven Man, absolutely free. Gospel Driven Man explains in simple steps how to successfully share the gospel. To get your free copy of Gospel Driven Man, write to Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Or email Yankee Arnold at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.